0: Take this job and shove it. I ain't working
1: here no more. A woman done left. Hello, carnies, and welcome to another episode of Sideshow. I'm Jacques. I'm Joe. And via Skype, we have our friend Rich. Say hello to the nice people, Rich.
0: Hi nice people.
1: Now say hello to the Nazis. <laughs> <laughs> Hi Nazis.
0: So uh, so Was I supposed to
1: go see how that I just
0: failed right there? Yeah, pretty,
1: pretty Yeah. You failed. That was <laughs> Hey, who who is the other guy in Wham with my you know, the uh, <laughs> Ridgeway. There you go. Uh, so we we have Rich on the show for a number of reasons. One of which is Rich is the producer of the Skinamax show, uh, Mike Judge's Tales from the tour of us. Oh, it's
2: not silk stockings. So whatever the hell that was. Yeah. Red Shoe
1: Diaries.
2: I,
0: let's get it straight. I'm the creator.
1: The creator. Yes, yeah, So the creator. <laughs> now, now, uh, now. But seriously, uh, how, how many people do you know in your realm lost their uh, their right hand virginity to Cinemax in the '80s? I'm gonna guess oh. uh, all of us.
0: <laughs> uh, I mean, I can take it a step further and say to Emmanuel.
1: On. Yeah, yeah. There you go. <laughs> well, well done. So, uh, a little backstory on Rich. Um, you know, Or when...
0: Lady shot Larry's Lover. I think that was another
1: one. <laughs> <laughs> Anything on Cinemax after 6 p.m., we can safely say. For I some. couldn't tell what they were called because it was Scrambled. So, like, I
2: just, but just couldn't know.
1: Oh, oh, yeah, you, you had one of those. But still hot. It's funny because,
0: like, when I lived in Holland, it became, you know, their porn starts at uh, 6 p.m. On Fridays.
2: Now, so does mine.
0: (laughs) It goes
1: straight through the weekend. Nice. Uh, So, a
2: little. It's it's
0: bizarre to sit around with a room full of Dutch guys, like, you know, doing Coke and and staring at porn (laughs) while you're getting ready to go out.
1: Joe was saying the same thing last week. Right.
2: When I was watching that same exact porn scenario. That's like my (laughs) category on new porn. How do you know? Uh,
0: Not to mention, Dutch Coke is like.
1: (laughs) <laughs> Again, Joe and I were talking about the same thing last week. Really, same exact thing. Uh, we, we were ranking cocaine throughout Europe in the early nineties.
0: Yeah. Oh man. I will tell you what. That's that's some bad stuff. And like, you really couldn't tell the difference between that and then what what the hell did they call it? it was it, their version is
2: speed? Uh, Lufthansa. It, <laughs> it,
0: it looked like it looked like you, something you would use at the end of a cue stick.
2: <laughs> oh, yes.
0: It would be like a hard white pile of something.
1: So that that brings us crank. into crank, right? Anyway, yeah, it was typical. Right. All
2: right. That was a little too easy. I thought it was <laughs> Yeah. I didn't say it yeah, because yeah. I thought that's what everybody called it.
0: Yeah, exactly, exactly. Well it depends on like what you know old US Army base you're you're flopping on.
1: So so here here's a little backstory about Rich. Rich and I were neighbors for my last couple of years in LA. And again, uh, and here's the funny thing, you know, just a sidebar for a second, which is what I'm best at. Rich and I also have another neighbor named uh, Coach Cooper. Coach Cooper is a Colts fan, Rich is a Steeler fan, and everyone knows I live for the Pats. And if the three of us can be friends, why can't the Jews and the Christians and the Muslims just if yeah, we can get along? it was a along.
0: good time period for the three of us. Each had Super Bowl victories, like within you know. A Year,
1: right? Right, right. Well,
0: we, the, we all rapid fired them there.
1: Well, the Colts, the Colts that was Peyton with uh with Denver, but close enough, you know. What I mean, um, uh, yeah. well, Peyton got one with the Colts, he got one, one, how many? That's right, one, yeah. But he, um, but so Rich, Rich has a very, as you can hear, a very interesting background. Rich is from Pittsburgh, and yeah, but, t-
0: but yeah, and I have, but I got, I got to say that you know, Jacques Lambert here, I. The reason I met him is because I, I, I have a Jack Lambert tattoo. Yeah. And um, I would get up in the morning and come out to my car, and there would be a Jack Lambert playing card on my <laughs> car. When I first moved in, I'm like, "Wow, what a cool neighborhood."
1: Yeah. Well, the the and then the, I realized the guy's name is Jack Lambert. The uh, the, there's a old guy, and we, and we do um, the hockey group that I play on called FNH. The old guy weekly would just. Every week I got there in the stall, he'd find whatever cards he could for, you know, there's three or four of us. And he would have any Boston sports person that he would – he, he's this guy, he's, like, in his late 80s. And he would either get you sports cards of, like, you know, team from where you were or people who have the name. And so any any Lambert in any sport, like, I always had a stack of the cards. So But so Rich – has uh, Rich has traveled the world um it's funny that uh, i don't know funny is the right word but the show Tales from the Tour Bus season 1 is all about outlaw country guys but yet Rich's foray into music is touring the world I'm
0: just, yeah just, you know, with with rock
1: bands with, with hardcore rock bands with with speed yeah. metal bands with uh your, but, um, so, you know, and you learn know, burn there's like a, a, I mean
0: i think there's kind of an unwritten thing that where hard rock people go to country, after they aren't as angry as they used to be, like Darius Rucker's. down, <laughs> 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 so I can smell your album from here. <laughs> yeah, that guy.
1: But okay, so so bring us into the lineage of your your rock music, like like uh, your path. Like was it was your long? Well, the main disaster? one was Karma
0: to Burn. I um, it was an instrumental heavy metal band that. Uh, and you were the big and- records when i was very young and um we we, we did a couple cool things one we, we in order to get our record deal um we met a guy who had a, the idea that to call like we, we we scheduled one gig in new york city we'd only been in a band four months we were, we were living in west virginia we met a guy who ran a club who knew which in every band there's only one guy that talks to the record label um, as as band members all know this, There's always the one guy that, that does all the talking And the other dudes never talk to the label This guy knew that And he knew which members of which bands Talked to the label So he started calling record labels Pretending to be the members Who never talk to the label uh-huh. And they would all have the same message They'd be like Oh we played with this band Karma to burn last night And they're super good You need to go see them I heard they're playing in New York this week so when we went to play Brownies, like, for the first time ever, it was just, it, there was, it was probably one of our most packed shows. <laughs> it was just all record people.
1: That's great. Uh, and, and then and then when, when did, uh, which, which <laughs> who did the video, uh, Matt Malero, who pr- pretty much. Oh, okay, did. that was a different band. That was a year-long disaster. Yes, that was
0: a year-long disaster. And that followed Carmen Burned. Yeah, yeah, I started that band um, in Los Angeles and um, I was also in a band called Speed Dealer for a while and then uh, but anyway um, Matt Malero uh, it was weird I, I I knew a girl who worked at High Times Magazine who then went to um, Adult Swim and I was just talking to her one day and I was telling her I had a budget to make a video and um, she was uh, you should get Matt Malero to make it and I was like oh god I would love it and uh Lo and behold, he called me the next day.
1: Um, so, and we became friends. For those who don't know who Matt is, shame on you. But one of the, one of the reasons Rich and I became instant friends, like instantly, um, this is this is going back. This is like 2010, 2011 when I first started to meet Rich. And my life was so entwined with watching Adult Swim. And everything on Adult Swim was great. Um, And and there was, like, one obscure show that I think lasted one year was, like, uh, Perfect Hair Forever. And I mentioned that to you. And you were like, oh, my God, I got the box set of that. And Rich had the box set of every Adult Swim show out there. And it turns out that Matt had created um, uh, Aqua Teen Hunger Force, which to this day is one of my favorite shows and I have no fucking idea why. Like, I can't tell you, you know, why I was so obsessed with that show for so long and um, and Matt had also a, done Space Goes. It's a fantastic Ghost. show. It is fantastic, but Matt did Space Goes Coast to Coast. He was one of the yep, um, that's
0: the one that started it. Yeah. Writers
1: on that. He did... Uh, C-Lab. 12, yeah, C-Lab 2021 is... Just,
0: Frisky Dingo, which still may be one of my favorites.
1: Uh, anybody who doesn't know Frisky Dingo who watches Archer, Frisky Dingo was the precursor to Archer all these same voices and most of the same characters on Archer started on? Well, uh, I actually, Archer I think, think Frisky, thing, Frisky, Frisky Dingo has Dingo.
0: better voices and it just um than Archer. It they weren't allowed to use a lot of them because they weren't
1: aren't union. But but it was so great that that uh, Frisky Dingo so underrated. You now you did uh, one season of the music for Aqua Teen. Yes, season seven. Yes, I did. Uh, I believe
0: it was six, sir. <laughs>
1: <laughs> and what was the highlight of doing that?
0: Um, when Matt called me up and said, "Make it as terrible as you can."
1: <laughs> There's nothing so an artist so wants to hear more than we need crappy and, and music. Like, I mean, when you're thought of you, terrible,
0: it's hard because you you know the, the the field is so open. You know, like how terrible is this? How can I get ter- can I get worse? Can it be worse? <laughs> and you It know? turns out you can. Uh, it's, I always think of Hardware Wars. Remember that little movie when?
1: Was that was that in your
0: world Hardware Wars, Joe? When Obi Wan, yeah, he looks at Luke and he's like, "If you can't be good, be be terrible."
2: I missed out on Hardware Wars. Like yeah, this podcast, I'm kind of just be hanging terrible. back.
1: <laughs> but they uh, okay. So now, now, so but now,
2: basketball is a peaceful planet.
1: How did you? How did you now? So that's that's the history up to that in music. Now, how do you fall into Mike Judge's uh, uh, realm?
0: Um, a guy named Scotty Matthews um, was my drummer. I naturally, I said I would start a country band before I turned 40. So I went to go do that. And, um, my drummer was Scotty Matthews and he just, he was at my house one day and he's like, Hey, let's go meet my friend, Mike. And I was like, okay. And I went out and his friend, Mike was Mike judge. Oh, okay. So I didn't know. (laughs) And so we started hanging out. He, me and him lived really close to each other. And I just remember one day we were talking about Johnny paycheck and, um, we both Googled him at the same time, and there were no books. There was nothing about him. But we both knew all these great stories about him. So a couple weeks later, Mike called me in the, in the afternoon. He's like, Rich, I was thinking about it, and I think we should make it – we should do your idea. And I was like, yeah, that idea. I you know, I couldn't remember what the idea was. And he was like, the Johnny Paycheck documentary. And I was like, oh, yeah. And next thing I know, I, I, I just started looking him up discovered that there was this town called greenfield ohio where like johnny paycheck was from you know david Allan Coe's is from two minutes away from there um the adams brothers who played guitar bass and drums for george jones and johnny paycheck were in greenfield daryl mccall diane mccall just like all these country stars were all in this little little town called greenfield ohio now, uh, so now, i just but, 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 took a camera there and um holy shit they
1: were funny. Well, th- so so I'm gonna back everything up for just a sec. R- Rich went through the absolute uh, typical LA pitching a show and getting a show developed and getting a show to pilot. Rich for it was it was well over a year. Rich is like I'm working with Mike Judge and we have this great show and it's gonna be X Y and C and then it became Snuffleupagus from uh, Sesame Street where it's like oh yeah yeah no I'm sure you know Mike Judge yeah sure Rich no no you a country show yeah no that sounds great. Oh, (laughs) no. Yeah, no. Uh, The, the speed metal guy, all of a sudden is friends with Mike judge and you're going to do this little, isn't that cute? Rich. (laughs) And then it's like, no, it's really happening. And then a couple months would go by. It's like, no, we just had this great (laughs) meeting. And, and I been it's funny how like
0: people are like, like you, I mean, I was making a show you know, and, you know, actually creating it. And I would be like, I would tell people like, oh, no, I've got a TV show. And people would be like, no, mm, you <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I, yeah, I, I do. And, and but then once it comes
1: out and it's actually on TV. Oh, then you don't then know how everybody's many friends. Like, you have. Oh,
0: right. I see that, you've got a TV show.
1: I want a job. You know, how can yeah, your exactly. TV show help me? So. So, what? Walk us through the process of, of what was the chain of events to get it. I mean, who did you take it to first? I mean, how did you package this idea? What did you? And Mike well, it's not
0: fair, together? really, because you know I had Mike, and, and Mike is is has never done anything bad. <laughs> I it was it's weird. Like, I I actually at one point I was um, I was kind of freaking out because I was doing like 250 shows a year for like you know, 14 years straight, 17 years straight, and I was really hitting the wall. Um. of of how many of how many you know how much traveling and and shows I could play and I was thinking I I really need to I'd I'd really like to sit down and try to make you know like a movie type uh, endeavor and I thought you know what directors would I ever want to work with and I really could only come up with two you know of course David Lynch and then Mike Judge those are the two guys I was like man I'd, I'd work with either of those two guys and then damn it if I didn't meet Mike.
1: And so, and so
0: did Mike. So, just take but once it you HBO, have somebody like Mike, it, it, the rules change. You know, like it, it wasn't. I didn't really do much. Like I, most people, have to go to meetings and pitch stuff. You know, it's kind of like when you're in music, you forget that normal guys have to ask girls out.
1: You know, and go on <laughs> dates. Oh, they got to
0: be one of those normies. <laughs> it's like that. It's that same thing. You know, you forget there's like that whole normal world of of rules and the way things work. But you know, when I had when you know when you're attached with somebody like that, it's just like, okay, when do you guys want to start?
1: So Mike was the guy in the band talking to the label.
0: <laughs> we, well, we went into Cinemax um, because he already had a show on HBO. And um, we met with Carrie Anthalis and the very first time we met with them, they gave us fifty thousand dollars. And they were like, don't make six minutes of it.
1: and and that's and then that's when you went to Ohio to get all the the well
0: I'd already gone to Ohio so basically what we did was we took that footage and put it together and we kind of rough animated
2: uh to the animatics what it would look like you know
0: because me and Mike really wanted to do it animated so that it would appeal to some younger people and hopefully draw people to this music who had never heard it before and and not let it die as quickly as it's dying. Yeah. You
1: know? So, so give give us give the the three listeners out there. What is Mike Judge's Tales from the Tour Bus season one?
0: Um, what is it?
1: Yeah, break down the show if somebody. It has really is season.
0: like if you really think about it. If you if you ever had the experience when you're on a tour bus, it's usually the funniest place on earth. I don't know why. Just it's usually just the stories you hear on tour buses are are funny. Are, are great they're always the best stories just things are funnier there <laughs> usually because of the people that are on them and um you know there's something that warps your brain when you're away from home that much and you're and when you don't have a home and you're just you know drifting throughout the cosmos doing you know waking up playing shows getting back into a little coffin and going to sleep or you know partying all the way around and Taking a train to your next coffin, and you know what I mean. Anyway, um,
1: but the show itself. So anyone who hasn't yeah, seen the, the show, show yet. itself yeah. is
0: based on based on just that. On that fact, so I didn't. You know, I hate like every time I watch VH1 or you know country music station. It's always like some writer talking about some artist, and those writers have are usually the so cosmically far away from the reality of the situation and you know what the person was actually like and. What was going on you get zero real idea of of anything you know so what so what your um, show is you, like people think like you know oh god you know that band is smart and they write songs like people probably things like oh, you know but when in reality the band is stealing all of their songs <laughs>
1: <laughs> uh,
0: <coughs> so <laughs> um but you know, what, you know what i mean and people closest to them are the ones that know that that's occurring but um in situations like this with johnny paycheck you know getting the Adams brothers who grew up with him and i could tell you the real you could you could actually watch somebody who was giving their entire life to music but at the same time fucking up so tremendously that you know it becomes really really entertaining
1: so let me let me let me explain for somebody who hasn't seen the show and you know what basically it is so rich they, so they took uh they and I want you to go over who you picked and why as far as the the top the, the subjects but rich has gone around and he's gotten all the people who were in these musicians world the, the either the friends or the studio musicians and that's who he's referring to with these brothers. And they, it's all talking head. Um, they're talking about these stories, and then it cuts to news footage or archival footage or or video footage when they were on this show or this show or the Grand Old Opry. And then, but some of the crazy stories, they're reenacted via Mike Judge's um, artwork, and, and you know Mike animates the stories cause, well,
0: you know actually we have Wes you know Wes Archer doing the animation, and that guy. Is fantastic, And he has, like, Asperger's, so it's really crazy to watch him work, you know. It's like he will not look at you and talk to you.
2: Jacques really knows cool. the feeling of watching somebody with Asperger's work. <laughs> 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 yes, God. No, it's such, no.
1: So, it's so. Like, what a great disease. Who? You know what who I mean? It's a really That's underrated a really disease. disease. It, it really is. You know. So, you know. Same thing with Alzheimer's. Think of the new friends you make every day. Why do we always dwell on oh. the negatives? Right. Uh, uh. Seriously. But, but so, why did you pick? Like, so Johnny Paycheck and talk about some of the other people on season one and why you chose Johnny? He raped
0: and murdered my wife. Yeah. Um, with Johnny. I, it is, it is just the consummate rock and roller. I mean, he's everything that you think about when you when you think about somebody. You know, when you imagine, like, a dude that, like, anything could happen at any fucking giving second, you know? And, like, five of our eight episodes end with um, a white guy shooting another white guy in the face. It's that white-on-white
1: white crime, man. It's just and epidemic.
0: In all five instances, these men are shot in the face, I think the furthest way anybody was is like 15 feet from the other person, and all of them live. Yeah, that's pretty fucked up. Which is amazing, you know. And Lee Lewis shot a guy with a 357 Magnum, which, if you've seen Dirty Harry, it will blow your head clean off your shoulders. But it doesn't.
1: <laughs> <laughs> well, I think uh, aim might have something to do with it. So. Uh... Yeah,
0: but um. And what was weird, though, uh, going through the show, actually doing the show is, you know, we did uncover a lot of dark secrets. And you did discover why some of the people, maybe there aren't any, there isn't anything written about them.
2: Were there stories that were just too hot for even Cinemax? Oh, like- God.
0: Jerry Jerry Lewis, the, the killer. Lady! Oh, oh Jerry Lee Lewis. <laughs> you know, he's got, he's got <laughs> at least three, I think, you know, I think you could make three really good cases for murder. Wow. Um I mean, imagine, imagine the like. If you've seen, um, in in New York City, if you own a store, your storefront that big, you know, metal grate that you pull down to guard your windows at night to keep them safe. He had one of those at the foot of his bed. Wow! So once he had a girl in his bed, he would pull that thing down, (laughs) right, lock it, and then uh, his windows had bars on it.
1: You know. So you
0: really weren't going anywhere once you were in that in that bed. Um, so the and there point- was like you know and you know one his one wife when she was twenty five, you know and, and all of a sudden he's like oh she didn't wake up this morning, you know, oh. and um, he paid for the autopsy so he's the only one who sees the autopsy results. Her parents lived I think in Minnesota or something and. Um, and, you know, the deputies who saw her all said that, you know, she had black and blue marks on her throat. Um, but it was just listed as a drug, you know,
1: overdose So, those, overdose so that's going to
2: be on the like DVD? Oh. Yeah, he, <laughs> those <laughs> will not be on the
1: DVD.
0: And then also, like, with Johnny Paycheck, I had, you know, there's a, there was a couple stories. Like, one, um, he had a 12-year-old girl in his hotel room. He, like, and he he it was very be. much like Roy Moore.
2: Yeah, I was going to say he could he, be a senator.
0: Yeah, but, um, you know, Johnny's, Johnny's scam would be, you know, parents would bring the kid to his show. He'd make friends with the parents. And then inevitably, he would either send the parents on a drug run or on some sort of run where the kid would be left alone, you know. And in this instance, in Canada, he was able to get the girl to come back to the show on her own, a 12-year-old, and come out to his hotel room.
2: I think if yeah. you're, I think if you're a parent and you're going on drug runs, maybe your child isn't always going to be in the safest of society.
0: yeah, yeah. I mean, you're not you're not that far away from the health and human so, services so, in action. But you know, there, there's probably <laughs> some other issues. But you know, that that was one of the cases where Johnny Paycheck actually, you know, he had a woman. I mean, his version was that the mom went on a drug run. She came back and saw him making out with her 14 year old daughter. Mm. um also oh, now she's main 14 main story, not 12 how long is, was that drug run the, the girl that he's seeing she's 14 you know but she also I had pictures of her with the lead singer of Alabama too you know oh, <laughs> so,
1: <man>. like <clears throat> so intimate pictures so you know? so as, as as it all comes back to Alabama yeah with these kinds it of is, things it circles around man. um no but but as Rich was telling me about the show as it was developing and telling me about these stories and and the thing is you see a lot of these people and and Everyone's going to think I'm joking when I say this. When you see these people on Hee Haw and shows like that, the the absolute, <laughs> yeah. the country version of Lawrence Welk, absolutely squeaky clean. <laughs> or just
0: looking at, at, campy at, at uh, Dukes of Hazard, Hazzard. You right. know? Like, but, uh, you know, honestly, this brings me back. I One of the greatest conversations I ever had in my life was I went to a party. Um, it was a Memorial Day party. So it's the middle of the day. I sat down in the living room. And Larry Hagman sat down beside me, and just started talking to me as though we had been friends forever. And I heard some of the greatest stories <laughs> I ever heard from Larry Hagman t- talking about, like when he first discovered speed while he was working on I Dream a Genie, and then when he discovered LSD while he was working on I Dream a Genie. <laughs> and he's these aren't the I know, Dream and of and stories was, I want. <laughs> Yeah, so he's taking acid while he's making I Dream of Jeannie. Then, like, he would go home at night, put on a gorilla costume, and go to parties. And then it moved on to where he got a chicken costume, and he would go down to Malibu Beach, and he built – I don't know if you ever read Charlie Brown, but Lucy has a little psychiatrist stand that she sits at. Yeah, He had that stand built, <laughs> and he would wear his chicken suit, and he would go down in the middle of the afternoon to Malibu Beach, and he would sit, stand up. He would sit there in his chicken costume, and he would listen to people's problems on acid. And he just said that it was completely fascinating and freeing.
1: For for both, <laughs> I'm guessing. Yeah.
0: I mean, I one time I took acid and I went to a mall and um, I went to the food court and I applied for jobs at every. <laughs> uh, was this last week? <laughs> every restaurant that I, that I, I think I got through four of them before they refused to see me anymore. But you know, it was. It's really. It is fun to to take acid and then talk to strangers, and you know, in a position like where you're, where somebody is exchanging, you know, is exposing themselves, like you know, applying for a job. Sounds like
2: a
1: future parenting
2: (laughs) tip, Jack. (laughs) (laughs)
0: This is a reality show. Working
1: on. So when when Rich was explaining like who's on the show, and again, it's like you see these these country wholesome videos, you know, on those different shows in the '60s and '50s and '70s, and then you hear these these awful or these amazing stories. I've told people. Look, you gotta watch, you know, "Tales from the Tour Bus." When you see jo- what what jo- just again Johnny Paycheck's life, and you put that yeah. up against the the East West rap war of the late eighties and nineties, my money's on the on the Johnny Paycheck.
0: Johnny Paycheck's Johnny much more ferocious,
1: um, and and much more. You know, I mean, he was just
0: constantly stealing cars, or you know, there was a lot of gun pulling. There's a lot of, um, and there's a there's a character that I didn't, I didn't get to touch. But it's probably the greatest character in all of music, I think, possibly ever. And his name is Aubrey Mayhew. And Aubrey Mayhew's span, he was the first person to record Lightning Hopkins and Charlie Parker. He basically discovered Charlie Parker. And he ended up, you know, uh, he owned Charlie Parker's library with Charlie Parker's wife his, upon his death. He sold that. And he went and paid $200 for a demo tape of Johnny Paycheck. Um, and he became his manager. And meantime, he worked at a radio station in Boston where he gave Cowboy Jack his first gig. Um, and then Aubrey Mayhew like, went, you know, became really enamored with um, John F. Kennedy. And upon his death, he sat in a hotel room and... Day that Kennedy was assassinated, he recorded all of uh, all the speeches that they played on the TV that day. He recorded every, every one of Kennedy's speeches and put out that record. And back in those days, ten thousand sales was a gold record, and he sold over a million copies of Kennedy Speaks at just. And it was only sold at Woolworths.
1: Woolworths. So <laughs> he took that money.
0: Then the money he was getting from Paycheck, because he was ripping them off. I don't know if he was ripping them off, but he. he paycheck wasn't this. I'm not the best businessman. Anyway, um, he took that money and he bought the the Texas School Book Depository building. Oh, my God. And immediately removed the sniper's nest window.
2: Oh, great. So, anyway, he, he removed and, it by being like. like Breaking it up, yeah. or just sort of like uh, okay, he took the window
0: and took it to Nashville, and he never made another payment on the place. He got what he wanted. He wanted that window. Oh, he bought the building for the window. <laughs> That's yeah, insane. he took the sniper's nest window oh. out of the school book about. It. I That's thought he, he wanted. I thought he, he was.
2: Yeah, I thought it. You made it sound like he did something noble. Like I, I don't want this to be a blemish on the school book well, depository he, I mean, he is
0: a really noble dude in, in a lot of ways because um, I mean he he really is the white guy that went and got Lightning Hopkins and. And Charlie Parker and a couple other people, and um, but then you know he goes through this the country music where he you know he starts Cowboy Jack, which you know inevitably leads to Johnny Cash. He starts Johnny Paycheck, which inevitably leads to Willie Nelson and that you know Waylon Jennings and down the line there. And um, then he has then he holds up with his Sniper's Nest window. Mm-hmm. His son uh, Paris Mayhew, who's a great guy. Um, starts a band called The Cro-Mags in New York City and also Aubrey May one of the last one of the other odd things he does is in his uh, at his record company I believe it was Koch or whatever they they did those remember k Records or whatever where they would put uh, a it, bunch of different songs
2: compilations, on, a, yeah. Yeah.
0: on an album um, but they would also have like these ones that would be different people playing the song I remember I got one once I was so pissed off because it, it's a it's different it's not it's not the real people singing the song. It's like a, it's a sound alike like Right.
1: It's like kids. Kids. You're like, what Bob. the fuck?
0: And, um, this isn't the Beatles. He, Aubrey Mayhew hired two people in his New York office to make those records. And they were John Cale and new Reed. Wow. <laughs> those two guys together. Whatever so, like, happened with them? If you <laughs> look at that, I mean, <laughs> to go from lightning Hopkins, Johnny paycheck, cowboy Jack, Velvet Underground, Chromax, all directly responsible. You know, it's one man.
2: Yeah. No. He's got that sweet it's window. Really like, yeah, it's <laughs> it really, like really
0: cool window. hidden stories that are, you know, you have to, uh, you know... You so, have to really investigate it. So, so what? I will happen- tell you how the, the, the story ends because it <laughs> it's an incredible ending. So, what happens? But that when- involves eBay and that sniper's nest window.
1: Uh, is it on eBay now? <laughs> <laughs> uh, did, did you I buy it? Tell you is that, is it was that the what highest you're
0: t- opening t- bid ever at four million
2: dollars?
1: Wow! Yeah. And on eBay, like that's that. What was a big auction house in New York that you think it would go to?
2: So, like Sotheby's, that something like yeah. that.
1: Now, okay. You got to remember,
0: the FBI wants this thing, Christie's, Christie's, really bad. Christie's, thank <laughs> really
2: you, really badly. Yeah.
1: <laughs> so now, uh, tell us what is uh what is up with uh is is see- how are the ratings for season one? Is there going to be a season two of Tales Tor- from the Tour Buffs?
0: I don't know. I can't. Ah, ah, I can't ah, ah, really say that. I would imagine so.
1: Wikipedia <laughs> has
0: an idea. really well.
2: Yeah, I, uh, I have the ratings here, but they're, eh. <laughs> you know, to each their own. Uh,
1: but uh, well, yeah, I know. Yeah. I had a conversation I, with uh, with uh, Cinemax, and they 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 assured me that there was going to be a season two. Yes, yeah, I'm pretty damn sure there would be. And can you yeah. say some of the artists? I mean, are, are you going to stay in country, or, or are you thinking about veering off to other other avenues of music? Well. If you can say, if you, you know, if there's a. You know, I've, I've, knowing Mike,
0: I believe it will be a mixture of gangster rap and metal.
1: Yes. <laughs> Thank you.
0: And I believe it will start with the Kings. Oh. If it's worth its salt.
1: The, 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 anybody.
0: This is my. It will start with the Ghetto Boys and the Kings. Those are like the two groups that really have incredible stories. I mean,
1: I will tell you this is not stop action. About and the Kings. Great,
0: great, great music. The
1: Kinks, the Kinks are are on the same path as the Rolling Stones and the Beatles. They would be thought of in the same breath as the Rolling Stones and the Beatles if they could get the fuck out of their own way. But you've never If seen, they had
0: not been banned from the United States for about 10 years, which they were, they would be... I believe they would be bigger because they have better songs. I mean, and none of that, but they... The Beatles are really... They're not... Like the Beatles to me, are a lot of their songs sound like the Paul McCartney songs, all sound like Barney, but, to me. But well, well, the other love thing me. about the uh, Kinks, but then the John the, Lennon songs are really some of them are really cool. It's the Very guy cool. uh, Bob um, Marsha. But the Rolling Stones have just a lot. Of, um, you know, they're like Led Zeppelin, where they have a lot of songs that just really aren't
1: theirs. Uh, but the but the thing with the Kinks is they couldn't get out of their own. But the way. Kinks are
0: all original. Like those songs, I mean, you have, some of them are show tunes, but like you know, Waterloo Sunset things like that have been ripped off by everybody from Neil Sedaka to the Rolling Stones you know but they really really I really feel like Kings did almost everything first before anybody else did it including the You Really Got Me is really the beginning of punk rock and everything else that that happens I mean although I can trace I actually I found distorted guitars on country songs about four or five years before You Really Got Me while I was doing this project.
1: And the other thing so, about the Kinks is they were like the original Oasis Gallagher brothers where the Davies brothers, honestly fist, fist fights on the stage in the middle of shows. Oh yeah. Huge no, and shows. they still hate each other.
0: When I was talking to Dave one time, he told me I wanted, he wanted to make a Kinks movie with Julian temple directing, but he told Julian he would only make it if Brad Pitt would play Dave and Martin Landau would play Ray <laughs> at every age. <laughs> 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 I would be, I'd love to see like Ray Davies age seven <laughs> by Martin Landau.
1: <laughs> oh, that would be awesome. All right, so so uh, that's, that's Tales of the Tour Bus. So uh, the last we talked, you're trying to get your new band, Broken Harvest, uh, doing a tribute album to the bands and the artists. Yeah, artist.
0: well, uh, right now, I'm playing with Billy Joe Shaver. Um, and uh, we're gonna make a record here. I'm actually there's a call coming in right now while I'm talking to you. <laughs> it I can wait. It. But um, we <laughs> um, we've been talking to the greatest label in the world. Um, so I'm I'm excited about that. And then um, I've also been playing music with a gentleman named Swamp Dog, and that also has to be released. And I'm excited about that. So this is—it's a lot of it, one of the really the cool side effects of this project was um, making friends, you know, and and continuing to to have like developing friendships with a lot of the my favorite musicians, like especially Billy Shea or Jesus Christ. He's so good, and um, and Swamp Dog, just really really good good guys that really. Uh, are actually getting better, you know what I mean? Like, right now, like, Billy Joe's voice right now sounds better than it ever did.
1: And uh, and lo- lots of uh, lots of times we end the show with a song. Do you want to email, like, Joe and I a song that you want us to play out that you've recorded with Billy Joel that uh, that can be used? Billy Joel. Billy Joe Shaver. Billy Joel? You <laughs> want to do, uh, no, I don't want out. a Billy, there's don't nothing I want for Billy Joel. We'll
0: start much too late soon.
1: But, but, uh, but a song, but get us, uh, but send us a song that we will play out. Is there anything else you want to plug before we wrap up?
0: Uh, New Year's Eve at the Roxy. Oh, I said, I believe it's going to be Billy Joe Shaver, Swamp Dog, and Norm McDonald. Oh,
1: yeah. And, um, do you have social media that people can follow you on?
0: Oh, sure. Yeah. My name is Richard Mullins. R. A. Mullins, Richard Mullins, Strom Detmer, I don't know. There's a Richard Mullins gospel singer that ruins everything for me, so I never know <laughs> what name I have to use.
2: Well, it's like Dan Cray and the uh, and
0: the yeah, <laughs> yeah yeah yeah.
1: <laughs> no. the,
0: the, There's like actually really good articles where they ask Richard Mullins, the dead gospel singer, what his favorite songs were, <laughs> and then the
1: picture is me. <laughs> <laughs> all right well uh, on the uh, on the description of this uh, you know up on uh Popin and up on itunes we will put your social media um social security number social security number yes, if you do
0: that i i welcome identity theft <laughs> <laughs> so do i it's like you know somebody steals from me it's like yeah man. i mean you're, like, you're complacent all the time just having day-to-day success
1: um so, uh, well, so, seriously, Rich, uh, good luck with the rest of the season. Thank you for coming oh, thanks, on the man. show. Joe, any last thoughts?
2: I think this has been a wonderful interview. And, um, yeah, do email us your social security number because I want to test out the LifeLock uh, security system. <laughs> yeah. Let's see how yeah, good Yeah,
0: I mean, I would like to test it out by, by plastering it on the side of a building and or <laughs> moving
2: van. the van. You know that guy got <laughs> you know, you know <laughs> the story behind that guy is that his uh, identity was then since hacked like three more times. Like yeah, that,
1: yeah, exactly. The guy who created the, <laughs> the guy who created LifeLock. One of the ad
2: campaigns was he put his social security he number worked, on right? the side of a board. And, uh, and
1: How'd a that work out for him? Well, you know, you know, he's still in business. Um, is it like he had the Russians yeah, doing I mean, the security at the embassy for the United States in Russia?
0: <laughs> <laughs> All right, that's a difference. Oh, show. gentlemen, it was really great talking to you.
1: Thank you, Rich.
2: Thank you, Rich. You know, Rich oh, hey, Rich. You guys are a fan. Do yes, not, sir. do not forget.